Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to another episode of Jamming with Jason. Hey, I am very excited to have one of my good friends, Marty Stanley, back with me. Uh, If you've listened before, you probably heard her previous episode, and she is honestly one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And uh, she is living the life right now. And so I wanted to make sure and have her uh, come on because she's got some changes that are going on in her life. And she's going to be out of pocket having fun all over the world. And I might not get to talk to her again for a little while. So I wanted to bring her on and share because I think a lot of times um, there's wonderful things that we can experience and have in life. We just don't actually have those things in our awareness. And sometimes we have to say goodbye to something before we can say hello to whatever else is waiting for us in our life. So with that, let's go ahead and roll that episode now with Marty. Hey, Marty, I'm so glad to have you here with me again. I'm so so excited to see you. And I was trying to remember when we did the previous um, podcast, I was still living in La Jolla. I think you were still in La Jolla. So it's been, you know, uh, it's been two years. years. Yeah, I think over two years, right? Because yeah, last time we talked, you were still in La Jolla, San Diego area. So, um, so maybe this, this will probably be kind of interesting for people, you know, again, is to just, um, you know, I mean, you had a experience in corporate, we kind of talked about that before public speaker did a bunch of coaching in corporate. Uh, for a lot of years afterwards that we kind of talked about in the previous episode, but maybe, you know, for people that didn't hear the first episode, just give them the thumbnail on that and then kind of catch us up over the last two or three years. Because I think, like I said, I want to be Marty (laughs) when I grow (laughs) up, right? I mean, your life has just become something amazing that people only dream about, but you're living your dream right now yeah, so I want to absolutely. talk about that. yeah you know it's funny because when you say sometimes you have to say goodbye and as you know I wrote a blog that came out that says it's time time to say goodbye and I got a note from a friend of mine that I met over 30 years ago and she said you've been saying goodbye and hello for the last several years so to do the recap for you I think mm-hmm. that there's this whole theme of saying goodbye and saying hello to something new so um, to, if we go back, and I'll do this real quickly. I had a 20-year career in corporate as a vice president of human resources. When, uh, one of the companies, this common theme of the two companies I worked for was that I helped revolutionize the industry of our businesses, not just the business, but the whole industry. So it was back in the 80s, I was in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I worked for a small group health insurance company that was, you know, it was just a little company selling in three states, but they had an idea of a better way to sell and administer insurance. And then we started incorporating technology and we became a billion dollar company and we took over the whole market for small group health insurance, which is basically companies under 50 employees. And now that company is Humana. So I was part of that 
um, time period when we went from 250 employees to 1,700 and became a billion-dollar company and took over, took over the world. We were pretty cocky. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, for healthcare, it it Humana is a huge, huge player in the industry. Yeah, yeah. They, I, it wasn't Humana when I left there. We had a couple of different buyouts. It was started by two crazy entrepreneurs who I worked for and learned. Uh, I mean, they let me do a million things there. They they let me be an entrepreneur within the business. So I created a training department that was nationally recognized, and I co- created a corporate wellness program that got top twenty five in the country at a time when people weren't really talking about corporate wellness. So they, <laughs> I remember the president called me up and he goes, I don't know what you're doing or why we're doing this, but I hear everybody loves it, so keep going. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ron, I got it. And then finally he said, do you have a budget for this? I said, no, I really don't. Does he want a budget? I said, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's always nice. It's usually the other way where you're like pleading for budget, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so there's a whole bunch of stories to go with that. But then I left there and I ended up moving to, that was in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Then I moved to Kansas City, Missouri. I worked for Blue Cross Blue Shield, which was the antithesis of where I'd been. And that was why they hired me, was because we'd stolen so much market share. They said, you know something we don't know. I said, I think I do. And I think I can help. So I was with them as a VP of HR for about five years. And then I left and I became the first um, vice president of human resources for AMC Entertainment Movie Theaters. And I got to work with a founder who was, his name was Stan Derwood and he was a revolutionary all by himself. He was a force to reckon with. And um, working with him was just this amazing experience because everything that you see in movies or how you view a movie was Stan's idea. Everything he's created the first multiplex, you know, two screens, used to be one screen forever. You'd see mm-hmm. some of the music for a year. Um, he created the first. Um, and by the time I started, that was when we were starting the megaplexes. And a megaplex had 18 screens or more with stadium seating. And we built 50 while I was there around the country and one in Japan. And um, we had to hire like 500 managers, 2,000 staff people. Um, everything in HR had to be totally revamped um, to, to meet the new business model because the business model was so different. So I got to be part of revolutionizing that segment of or that transition of the movies, which was really fun. So then in 2000, I went out on my own and I had created a mission statement that said that I wanted to empower people to live their dreams and I wanted to impact millions of people doing it. And there were a lot of people who thought, well, she's nuts, <laughs> you know, like who she thinks she is, you know? And so there were, the business itself changed over the years, but, um, but the common theme was always about empowering people or organizations to get clear about what they wanted and put the action plans in place to get there. And I did that through um, training programs. I did it through um, executive coaching, life coaching, um, books, blogs, um, seminars, uh, conferences, which is how you and I met through National Speaker Association. And I literally 
um, realized at a given point that I'm living in Kansas City, Missouri, and thinking, why am I living here? I could live anywhere, and my business could comes from everywhere. Why am I in the middle of the country? And um, where it's cold and yeah. hot. Yeah. yeah, and not not to offend anybody, but this is just me. I said I'm living in the middle of the country, and I grew up on the ocean and love the ocean and love big bodies of water. I said I'm in the middle of the country, no water. I'm in a red state in the Bible Belt, and this is just now. So I said I need to go where I'm more um, aligned. And so at the age of 65, okay, at the age of 65, I said I'm out of here. And a lot of people thought, holy cow, because she lost it. And I moved to La Jolla, California. And um, fell in love with I mean, I lived right across the street from the Pacific Ocean. I mean, I walked out my back door and there I was. So that was pretty cool. And because of technology, that was in the year, that was 2016. Um, so I ended up, my clients were back in Kansas City, so I'd go back to Kansas City like every six weeks or so. And then I had a lot of uh, coaching clients that I did on Zoom, so I could do that anywhere. So that kind of gets corporate and my personal business um, squared away. Is there anything else that you want to know about that? No, I, I think that gets gets people up up to it, you know, and, and I think you know, again, we can talk about it now or we can talk about it in a little bit too. But I think, you know, one of the things that I love about you is you're not afraid of the change, right? I mean, at 65, you left Kansas City, which you've been there for years. 45 right? years. And and moved yourself to San Diego, La Jolla, right? Completely different, different thing, but you just kind of packed up and moved where... A lot of people, when they get to 65, they're like, my life is over. I <laughs> yeah. need to retire. I need to sit on the couch and I don't know, do whatever you do in retirement, right? But you didn't, right? You you packed it up and you moved. So, I mean, to me, again, I think it, that's just amazing, right? And, and one of the things that I've learned from you is it's like, it's never too late right. to live your dreams, right? It's right. like, don't don't let age hold you back. And and the interesting thing is your life's almost even gotten more interesting since then, yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. No kidding. No <laughs> right. kidding. I mean, and, and so I'm just going to throw this in and people can take it for what it's worth. But I've always been a little bit like woo-woo, liking some woo-woo things. Like I would go to psychic fairs and find it cheap entertainment. And, and back in 2015, I went to a psychic fair and this woman looked at me and she said to me, honey, you belong in La Jolla. I said, what? She said, you got to get out of here. It's time for you to go. And I said, well, I thought I was going to go because I had been thinking about moving, but I was thinking about like the Northwest. She goes, no, honey, your people are in La Jolla and there's a man there that you're going to meet. And then she proceeded to describe this person who is now my husband. But so that was in 2015. I didn't move there till a year later. Um, I went out and I did some research and, you know, checked out the market and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't like I just took the advice of the psychic and said, <laughs> I'm off and running. I did a lot of due diligence. But anyway, but when I left Kansas City, and, and the people who are listening to this should, should know a couple things. One, um, I've been single for 35 years at that time. 
and I don't have any children. So I really have a lot of uh, freedom and flexibility to do things. And I know there are a lot of people who don't have that level of freedom and flexibility, but I've also coached thousands of people who do have kids and do have commitments and, and relationships, and they're still able to create their dreams too if they want to. So anyway, so so off I go to La Jolla and um, I continue working and I'm like, where is this guy? You know, because that was another reason why I wanted to move was because I dated and never really met anybody and, and the people that I'd met, I really realized we're not, I, I wasn't attracted. No, I should have a better way to say it. A lot of the Midwestern men weren't attracted to somebody like me. So that would be a better way of wording it. Because, you know, I'm more of a California girl. Yeah. And um, I was an East Coast girl growing up. And then, but I really felt like I was a California girl. So, so at the end of um, 2019, I had completed, I had several major clients who all completed their contracts at about the same time in the end of 2019. So I went and did part of the Camino in Spain, walking the Camino. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do the whole thing, I just did a portion, but it was a great trip to kind of clear my head. And, and I'm thinking, okay, what's next? What do I want to do? I didn't have any clients in San Diego. And I didn't really want to start a whole new marketing plan. You know, like by this time, how old? I was old. Um, well, I was probably 68. Yeah, because I remember that was about the time that we had lunch that one time, I remember, and we were talking about this, right, you know, and it's like, okay, well, what am I going to do? What are you going to do? And I I remember you talking about this. So yeah, walk, walk us through this, right? Because I think, again, I mean, there's, there's a lot of us that there's these different inflection points in our life where we do, we kind of stop and it's like, okay, well, what's next, right? I mean, how how do you, how do you, how do you figure it out? Right. And, and when I had lived in Kansas City, I was very engaged in well, all of my business was referral eventually. And so the thought of being in California and establishing a base of connections, because I'd been traveling so much, I, I had some connections, but I really didn't have, I mean, you know how long it can take to build up that yeah. network. It, it takes years to build up that network. And I thought, shoot, I don't know that I want to do this. You know, I don't know that I want to invest the time and the money and to create a new network here. I'm not that committed anymore. Um, I thought about creating a YouTube channel. <laughs> this was funny. I, I started a YouTube <laughs> This is really ironic. I started a YouTube channel called um, uh, Rejuvenating Your Life. But I I had no motivation to rejuvenate anything. (laughs) (laughs) So that really didn't go very far. (laughs) So I'm thinking about, okay, what am I going to do? I mean, it was kind of a quandary because... I really wasn't ready to retire, but I wasn't ready to start the next big thing. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. And by March, you know, any speaking engagement, I had some speaking engagements that had been booked. I had one up in Napa that I was really excited about, different gigs. Well, they all got canceled. 
And then everybody's freaking out and I'm thinking, how am I ever going to create something new in this environment? So I was kind of, I was in a real slump. Um, I was in a real slump in terms of what's next. And, you know, being a spiritual person like you, I, I did a lot of praying and meditating and thinking, I just have to trust whatever's going to happen is going to be the right thing to happen. And um, I should interject that in the fall of 2019, I hired a matchmaker. And because I've done the online dating and unsuccessfully for many years. And so I thought, well, I'll hire a matchmaker and <laughs> see what happens. And so I'd had like three dates with the matchmaker. They were disastrous. I mean, just <laughs> worse than online dating. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. had some very specific criteria that related to politics in particular, and also another thing was I wanted somebody who uh, wanted to travel, and they had to have an active passport and be an active traveler already. You know, I didn't want to be with somebody who goes, "Oh, I've always wanted to travel. Now I have somebody to do it with." No, that's not what I was looking for. So those were the two main criteria that I had. Um, somebody who had the health and the financial resources to be able to pick up and go um, and travel. And the first guy hadn't been out of the United States since 1980. Okay, that wasn't going to work. <laughs> so, and then the next guy um, had actually worked overseas. And he goes, I'm done all that. I don't want to do that anymore. And then the third guy was um, like the total opposite politically than I was. And it was like almost unbearable that I had to leave. So, <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, this is not working out. Anyway, it was in March when the pandemic hit. And I, I just really upped my game in terms of my spiritual practices of prayer and meditation and um, different reading and saying, I'm just, I don't know what to do. And I remember there was a specific day that I, I thought to myself, you know what? If my career is complete right now, I'm okay with that because I don't feel like I'm leaving anything on the table. There is nothing left out there for me that I would say, gosh, I just want to do this one thing. I mean, I just want to do this. I mean, I'd had a radio show, I'd written books, I'd you know, been a national speaker. I'd, I mean, it, just a bunch of stuff. I'd done a lot of really interesting things mm -hmm. that I didn't feel like there was anything that I was saying, like, oh, if I could just do this. I thought if I've done, and I mean, this is a kid in high school who they said, really, you're not college material, so don't plan on a career. So I'm feeling pretty happy like I've done pretty well. You've already won the lottery, right, by this point in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so that gave me a sense of peace of mind. Even though I didn't know what I wanted to do, I had a sense of peace of mind that I wasn't giving anything up. I felt complete with the work that I had done. And I felt that I had, literally, I felt like I my mission of 
wanting to inspire or empower a million people. I felt I had done that. I'd done that through all the different venues of reaching people over the course of 20 years. So then one day in early June, I get a phone call from a guy from the matchmaking company. And we talked on the phone and we decided to meet for lunch. Now here we are in the middle of the pandemic, right? June, 2020. And we meet for lunch and he seemed nice. He nice, you know, a little bit of a flat line. <laughs> flat line. <laughs> he was. He was a little bit of a flat line, but he seemed nice enough. And um, his name is Jerry. And we had a wonderful lunch. I had a great uh, lobster salad sandwich and <laughs> a great Chardonnay. And we're overlooking the Pacific. It was one of my favorite places to go. And um, so I thought, well, he's nice enough. You know? So he called me a couple of days later and invited me to lunch at his house the next week. I thought, okay, you know, I get to check out how this guy lives, you know, oh, <laughs> see, to see what kind of place he lives. <laughs> Is he a hoarder, right? Do you have to like yeah, exactly. walk down the narrow things? Or? Yeah, I mean, trust me, being single 35 years, I'd seen a lot that oh, I didn't yeah. like. So, um, so I go out, he's about 30 minutes away from where I live, and I go through this gated courtyard to his house, and there's fountains and beautiful palms and lush plants and Andrea Bocelli's playing in the background and has a chilled glass of Chardonnay for me. And I'm thinking, holy cow, it's just the same guy, you know? It was very engaging. And um, he's also a chef. So he was making a quiche. And um, this is kind of funny because I asked him if I, I could do anything to help and I'm, I can cook, but I'm not like the chef. He goes, sure, put the pie weights on the crust. I'm like, what are pie weights? And what kind of a guy has them and uses them? Uh -huh. <laughs> so in case you don't know, pie weights are like, they look like um, little BBs and you put uh, uh, wax paper down on top of the crust and then they put the pie weights on there. You could use like uncooked beans too. And it just keeps the crust from bubbling up and puffing out. So anyway, he made this fabulous quiche. Anyway, during that lunch, this is our second date. He looked at me and he said, you know, we're going to be together. And I had this sense that he was absolutely right. But it was like startling. Dude, slow down. This is our second date, right? Yeah. Right. And he swooped in and gave me this big kiss. And he said, you know, I can teach you a lot. And my first reaction is, yeah, right, thanks. thanks. You know, I, I've done very well on my own. <laughs> you know, like, you're gonna teach me a lot? Okay. So I said, okay, fine, what are you gonna teach me? He goes, I can teach you about love. Well, I was hooked. <laughs> <laughs> you had me at hello, right? I no. know, you know, I was literally speechless. So um, I'll condense this down, but um, 45 days later, well, actually a couple of weeks later, uh, Jerry's, Jerry's wife um, had passed away two years earlier. 
Um, he has it, had his own business. Um, he had done a, a million things. He had a dude ranch in California, B&B in Laguna Beach. He had a, a catering company that was like number one in Southern California for 25 years. And his wife had Alzheimer's for over 10 years. So he was dedicated to his businesses and um, his wife. And so he sold his businesses so he could spend full time with his wife. And she had died two years earlier. They'd been married for 45 years. Um, and I was his first date. I was his first date. Holy cow. So um, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking, this is nuts. So a couple of weeks later, you know, can't do anything during the pandemic, so we were riding around in the car. And Jerry said to me, what would you think of um, going to St. Croix, Virgin Islands? I said, sure, you know, <laughs> sure I'd go. Uh, my parents had been there. I used to go to St. Martin, you know, and he'd been researching St. Croix as a place to live um, because it's the U.S. territory and he'd done, you know, a whole file like three inches thick. So, in fact, on the second date, he gave me the file and said, take a look at this. So, uh, we, I said, sure. So, we went back to his house and pulled out the computer and we started, went online to look at a place to rent here because we thought we could move there. So, we're looking and we see this house that's for rent. It looks like something we would want to buy. And so we call up, this is on Saturday, we call up the realtor who's listing it and said, um, hi, we're in San Diego and we'd like to come down and take a look at this house. And, and if we like it, we're prepared to buy it and pay cash. So can we come down and see it? And of course, you can imagine the person on the other end of the phone. Yes, please, hurry up, be on the next flight. <laughs> so... By the time we were done that Sunday, we had um, booked our flights to go like three days later because we had to wait to get a COVID test. Um, and also what happened, we booked and we were gonna be here in St. Croix for two weeks, but also what happened, this is how funny synchronicity, when you get clear about what you want and it's gonna be right for you. And this also gets to the point of being able to say goodbye. You gotta be able to say goodbye because when you say hello, lots of new things open up. So that Sunday, after I went back to my condo in La Jolla, Jerry called his neighbors and said, um, you know, you said that if I was ever gonna sell my house that your kids might be interested. They said, yes, we'll be right over. Well, by Monday morning, they came by and they said, we're qualified, we'll pay a full price. So before we had even, Gone to St. Croix, Jerry had a buyer for his house. And when we came down here for two weeks, checked it out, checked it. And by the time we left, we had signed papers to buy the house. You know, it was an escrow. And um, we went back to California, sold everything. Um, I had I had sold a lot of stuff when I moved from um, moved to California. And um, so I I mean it wasn't a big deal for me. But Jerry had, had a estate sale. We just pretty much sold everything. Got in the car, drove east, put the car on a ship, flew to St. Croix, and we've been here for the last two years. 
<laughs> pretty much 60 days after meeting each other. <laughs> well, I know, and that's why, I mean, there's, there's, there's so many different things, right, that we can learn from this. And this is why I love talking to people and hearing about the experiences, right? Because, you know, in, in hindsight, things become clear. Right. In 2015, the psyche told you, you need to move to La Jolla. There's a man there who's waiting for you. You move to La Jolla. Things are great. You're loving life. But you're thinking, where the hell is this man? Well, right. his wife, his wife was still alive. Right. Exactly. And so the timing, the man was there for you, but the timing wasn't right until, you know, 20, 2020. So for four years, almost after after you'd moved there. Right. Uh -huh. But then you come together and it's just like, you know, again, kind of surrendering and saying, I don't necessarily know what I'm supposed to do next, but you did have a pretty clear idea, right, of what you wanted in a man. Yeah. Right? I mean, I you had set intentions there. Yeah. Yeah. My my language was I wanted to be uh, with a, a man who was healthy physically financially, emotionally, spiritually, um, you know, I don't remember what else, but I just want somebody who was really healthy and had his act together and, you know, was emotionally healthy and, um, and financially healthy. And Jerry's all that, he's a gourmet cook, <laughs> you know, <laughs> can't be that. Mm -mm. Um, but yeah, so I was clear. I'd never experienced that. I'd never experienced all of that. So that was like, oh my, now what do I do now that I am with somebody that I think, I think, and that you want to be sure you're not imagining things. You know, sometimes we see what we want to see and it isn't always there. Um you know, in relationships. So it was kind of like really looking. And he he was really smart. He said, I'm going to do everything I can so that you feel confident and safe and, uh, and trust me. I want to make sure that you really trust me and that I will, I will always do what's best for us. So I'll put you first. And I'll put our relationship first. And that was the first time I'd ever heard anything like that. And it's been, it's been amazing. And I'm learning about love. I mean, he's taught me more about love than I could ever imagine at this age. Well, and that's, that's what's so beautiful, you know, and just kind of watching what you, what you guys have been doing and the love that you do have for each other. That's why, again, I told you, you know, before we hit record, I'm just so happy for you. I <laughs> no. mean, because of, of all the people in the world who deserve this. Marty, my friend, you deserve this. You're gonna make right? me cry now. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm gonna cry too. If I keep going, right? Yeah. But it, but yeah. it's but it's you know I I think one of the things that I wanted to to dig in a little bit there too is, you know, it it happened quick, right? You guys happened. You know, you met in June. You know, two dates into it, he's kind of like, we're gonna be together, and you're like, oh shit, yeah, I kind of feel that too, right? But in and things just move so fast. I mean, like you said, I think within 60 days you were, you know, living in St. Croix, you know, it yeah. moved, you know, thousands of miles away and it sold everything. And so I think, you know, I, I just wanted to talk about this a little bit because 
it seems like too, you know, that when when we're sitting there, we want something else. We're intending for something else. We're trying to manifest something else. And then the things happen, it kind of scares us, right? Because again, it goes outside of our comfort zone. And so I see a lot of people that they want a certain thing. The signs kind of show up, but then they're like, eh, no, I don't know. It's a little too fast. This doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Come on. It's not logical for me to like, you know, give up my whole life and, you know, move halfway across the world with this man that I've only known for 60 days. Yeah. So how did you know, or how did you get past that? Because like I said, most people want to turn and run or they, or they want to just kind of stay where they're at instead of accepting what's right in front of them. That's a great question. And the, the best way I can answer it is, you know, given that I've had a lot of experience in dating different people, um, you and it, you can experience it whether it's in a job or with a boss or in a relationship. Your gut tells you when there's something off. You know, if there's something that feels a little off or makes you a little uneasy, um, that goes beyond like just uh, like, oh my gosh, this is happening fast. Um, it, but there's something there about the other person that's nagging you. Um, you got to pay attention to that. Because I've been in relationships where I thought, oh my God, this is like the perfect guy for me. And he ends up breaking my heart. But if I was honest with myself, I would have said, you know what? This, this, and this were red threads. And I chose not to pay attention. So in this case with Jerry, I never once had any doubt, not once. As fast as things were going, and fortunately, you know, my friends and family weren't like, whoa, you know, they, they stuck with me and didn't, you know, a couple of them would say, you know, have you seen any red flags or, you know, they, they would ask, but then they, I asked somebody the other day, um, I said, did you ever have any hesitation when I was making all these changes? And she said, hell no. We know you and we knew you knew what you wanted and we trusted you. So, and I also trusted myself at that point. And I trusted my intuition and I trusted I had spent so much in trying to be clear about what I wanted and trusting the universe to provide, so to speak, that, you know, I continued the meditations, I continued the prayer. And I think that that also helped. Um, one, of my, one of my phrases that I always and still use is that I'm always divinely guided and protected. And I always feel like I'm divinely guided and protected to make the right choices. And so, yeah, does that answer your question? No, it does. Yeah, because like I said, I mean, I've <clears throat> I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives too, you know, where sometimes, and, and, and maybe it's, you know, some of the societal things that we get taught too, right? Like yes. if it's too good to be true, then it isn't it is. true, right? Yeah. And it's like, but sometimes it really is and it really is that easy 
right? I mean, you know, two to where sometimes it feels like that we don't deserve it because we don't love ourselves enough to actually accept that protection and abundance when it comes to us, right? Like, well, I haven't worked hard enough for it, right? I mean, because you you could have sat there and said that too. It's like, I've been single for 35 years and this guy just shows up in my life and <laughs> two dates into it, we know. And it's like, I didn't have to work very hard for that. So it must not be... I but I right. worked 35 years to get there. You worked 30. <laughs> I know. See, that's the thing that, that we forget though, right? Yeah. It's like you spent 35 years preparing for the perfect man to come along at the perfect time. And also along the way, and this was part of the prayer and meditation, was that I wanted to be ready for this. I personally, if this is everything that I wanted, I wanted to be ready to receive and accept. And I think that's where it goes back to what you just said. I don't deserve this and everything else. But part of my prayer and meditation and work over the years, I've done a lot of self-development work, has really been about being ready to receive. And you can start receiving at a very elementary level. Like um, I had knee surgery several years ago, and I had to learn to receive that people were going to bring me food and take care of me. People were going to come over and clean my house for me. And I had to be okay with everybody volunteering to take care of me. When I wasn't used, I was used to doing everything myself. So you can start to practice receiving. You know, it's part of receiving is also giving. But when you receive, it's also a gift to the person who wants to give. Yeah, because I know I think I think that's one. I, I know for me, it's hard to receive, right? Because again, I've always been taught, I mean, Midwestern values in my mm -hmm. family, right? We're a working family. We kind of grew up with all of that sort of stuff. And so, you know, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And all those different, you know, things like that 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 for me often it's it's still difficult to just receive and accept. But if we're not willing to receive and accept, those things don't come along either, right. right? Because, you know, so like you said, you know, we have to start doing things to make us ready to receive, even things like accepting meals when people right. want to bring them over. What, what were some of the other things that you did as well to try to help you, you know, be more in that receiving frame? This is a tough question. I got to think about it now because um, I've just I've always done a lot of personal growth and development work. Um, so I would say it really escalated. It really escalated during the pandemic, particularly with that book that I mentioned to you. Mm -hmm. uh, that that really took my. Um, I'll hold it up if that's okay with you. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. no, because actually, let's let's do a shout out to it because I want to. Uh, it's, it's Change Me Prayers by Tosha Silver, right? So right. If, if you're not watching the video, but that's that's the name of it. And we'll put that, and her, put that in the show notes book, too. As we talked before this started, her first book is called Outrageous Openness. It's about being open to receive. And um, I listened to a talk that she did at Google when her first book came out. If you, if you go onto YouTube, 
uh, just look for Tosha Silver on YouTube and there's a talk, it's about 50 minutes long at Google that was done maybe about seven or eight years ago, but it kind of gives you a preview of the way of thinking about being outrageously open to receive. And that just kind of knocked my preconceived ideas. <laughs> you know, it really shook them up. And I'm like, holy cow, I've been doing this long. You know, I've, I've kept thinking, be clear in my intentions of what I want. And, but it was about being open to receive. When you, when you know what you want, you just let it go and you trust God, the universe, whatever you want to call the higher power, whatever it is. And the Change Me Prayers was a follow-up. And at first I thought, I don't want to read books about changing me, you know? <laughs> I think I'm pretty good the way I am. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to read about this. So, but I, I started reading some of these, these little prayers. She has samples in there. Like, she, she, and, and they're really great. It just kind of puts you at ease. Like, I don't have, I don't have to have it all figured out. And then this is all what happened in this time period between March and June of 2020, because I, I really went into kind of a funk of what am I going to do with my life? And I found this. And so all of a sudden, I just started to settle down. And I thought, you know what? I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to have, I don't have to be doing anything. Like, holy, holy moly. Like, <laughs> that was a new concept. And, and for people who I've worked with over the years, I was always taught people about creating intentions. What are your intentions of what you want? So to give you an example, and I think this is hilarious because I always had intentions, like in, if I was doing online dating or whatever, you know, I wanted somebody who was a college graduate, somebody who was spiritual, somebody who was probably Catholic or Protestant, somebody who would, you know, um, politically aligned, <laughs> you know, I had, I had my criteria. Well, Jerry is the opposite of everything I had on paper. He's nine years older. He's Jewish, agnostic, um, college dropout. And I said the worst was he was a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> Back, I can handle everything else, but really? <laughs> so we had some great conversations about that and, and we really are much more simpatico and I'm not as as nutty as I might try to sound but um but we're, we're very simpatico uh in many ways but it's just amazing to me how and he said to me you were looking in all the wrong places you know <laughs> and I was I was I was not looking for what was really important which was how he treats me mm -hmm. When he said to me, because I asked him on our first date, I said, um, what made your marriage so successful? Because they work together as well. And he said, I always put her first and she put me first. We put our marriage first. And I was like, wow, what would that look like? Because I've never experienced, I'd never heard anybody say anything like that. And I had never experienced being put first. And I thought, what would that be like? And he was shocked that I was shocked. <laughs> well, because that's what he lived for the 45 years, right? He didn't know any, anything any different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, well, and I wanted to go back too because I know we we've brought up prayer and meditation a few times, right? Yeah. And and so mm -hmm. I just want to want to talk about the prayer side of it for a minute because I know you know most people are familiar with meditation, but I think you know I grew up very religious, right? And so I was always taught to pray and. There was a certain way that we prayed. Mm -hmm. and, and then I kind of got to the point too, where I threw religion out in my life and I became, you know, rather atheistic to begin with, mm -hmm. right? Because I was just throwing everything out and then I kind of right. softened to agnostic. And now I've come back to like full-blown woo spiritual, right? And and I know for me that, so that that term prayer always, I mean, it, it was up until the last year or two, I, I still had a hang up with that word, right? Because it's like, mm -hmm. I'm not praying to Jesus, right? Because it's, I don't have that relationship with that being like the Christian world has, right? And so it always kind of felt weird to me. But when you're using the term prayer, it's not in a religious standpoint. So I, so I wanted to kind of go go there because I'm guessing that I don't know if you had the hang up too, like I oh, did, but but what prayer again to the to the universe, the great spirit, the bigger connection, if you don't believe in God or Christ or in in a in a formal religion, how prayer though is still so important, you know, from a protection and right. abundance of the universe standpoint. And to me, if I can just read, I, I just opened up, I thought, I'll see if I can find a really short prayer from the Change Me Prayers. Yeah, yep. Because I love Perfect. the way she words it. And this one's called Relax, okay? So, like, she has different topics, like relax or intuition or um, disappointment, dealing with disappointment and things. So, there's different topics. So, I opened up to relax. And here's an example. And this is what I love about prayer she taught me a different way to pray and i make up my own now too but this is a good example it just says oh beloved beloved could be the tree it could be god it could be higher power it could be whatever you want oh beloved change me into one who knows how to relax completely sleep deeply and receive all the blessings of every moment exactly as it presents itself with ease and gratitude so, you know, like all of a sudden, you can just feel your blood pressure coming down, you know, like relaxing. I can relax into this with ease and gratitude. Teach me how to relax with ease and gratitude. Okay, fine. <laughs> you know? Well, and, and I'm guessing too, I don't know if you have the same thing, but I mean, to me, that those are beautiful words, very simple way of setting intention and kind of throwing it out there. Yep. And as you were reading that, I felt my body relax and I actually felt what I feel is a hit from the, the universe, if you will. I call, I call, them, I call them hits, right? Where, where I, I felt that relaxing, calm, warm feeling go through my body, yeah. right? And so, you know, again, there's, there's power in that. When you say that, you can feel everything that we're connected to right wanting to help you in that because you're you're offering that that prayer of what it is that you actually want and it's and so it's it's much different than than usually how religions dogmatically talk about 
pray. prayer and how we have to do prayer. Usually my prayers used to be asking for something, mm -hmm. you know, specific. I want this, this, and this, you know? I mean, and and that's not really bad. That's <coughs> like creating, She and Tosha Silver laughs about it because she says it's like, you're not going to Costco here, you know? You're not going to Costco with your list of what you want. Well, and there's a, there's a book that I read recently called Pray the Shaman's Way, which mm -hmm. is is kind of similar. It's the same kind of thing for me as far as, because yeah, when you think about how most people pray or are taught to pray in religion, it's usually, like you said, going to Costco. Oh, please help me win the lottery. I need, I need this. I need that. I need this. I need that. Right. And it's like, it's like a little kid coming and begging for mommy and daddy. Right. Yeah. And it's like, rescue me, rescue, rescue me, help me, you know, and, and instead, if you switch it around, you know, like was talked about there or kind of in, in the book that I was reading to where, you know, instead of saying, you know, please help me find a man. Right. Instead, you're switching it around to say, I am so grateful and thankful to you for providing me with the man of my dreams. Exactly. And there's some, there's even a way that she words that in here um, that is really beautiful for people who are looking for love or looking for, and of course, I'm not going to be able to find it. Um, I'm not going to be able to find it now, but but she does address that so that you can put a, you can put aside the angst and even the specificity, the specifics of what you want. Specific, yeah, I can't say anything. <laughs> yeah, the specifics of what you want. So anyway, it's just um, yeah. So you got so saying hello and goodbye. I keep thinking of the Beatles song. I say you say hi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was saying goodbye all along. I've been saying goodbye to uh, a lot of things I was taught. I was saying goodbye to old habits. I was saying goodbye to old ways of thinking um, and being open and saying hello to, oh, there is a new, there are opportunities, you know, for people who are, as they're getting older, thinking, oh, I'm too old for this. No. I mean, personally, I felt in the career that I'm in, um, they want to see somebody who's older, who has some stripes on their sleeve and who has a few wrinkles and experience things. So age, at least in our profession, can be a good thing. Um, you don't want to learn about managing change and organizational change from a 25-year-old because they don't have the experience. Um, or the same thing with just, just getting older. Um, yeah, I mean, just because I turned 65, I thought, hell, why not? In fact, that's, that's Jerry and I created a new mantra, and our new mantra is two words, why not? There you go, right? So um, do we have time to talk one minute about the next adventure? Oh, we do. Well, and, and before we get there, too, because I, I wanted to, we've got, we've got time if you got time, because I, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> but, but but I wanted to bring up because I think it, 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 just in case people might have skipped over what we just said when you were talking about the specificity, right, as well. So I thought it was it was interesting, right, because you had in your mind something very specific that you were looking for in a man, right? You were looking for that when you were online dating. 
you were doing that with the matchmaking service, even though they weren't sending you what you, you said you wanted, right? But you picked up that book and you started praying differently and opening yourself up to just receive, right? I receive. And, and within three months, a man shows up who doesn't fit any of your specific criteria, but he but he fits the most important criteria, which is the love and the companionship and the fun that you guys are having. And so, you know, it's just a reminder to me and to everybody who's listening too is stop being so goddamn specific yes, about exactly. what we think we have to have because the universe knows much better and and wants to probably deliver something to us much greater than what we can even comprehend because we're not even aware that these other things exist so it's kind of funny because um jerry uh, we laugh about it because i say i was looking for love which is why i hired the matchmaker um jerry was actually looking to buy a porsche <laughs> and <laughs> Not a lot of space and, to drive it down in St. Croix. Right. You know. He wanted a Porsche, and then he also wanted to get a big aquarium. But he was online looking for Porsches, and he saw this ad for like over 50 and single and matchmaking, and he looked at it, and he had had no intentions of anything. But the next, he clicked on it, and the next thing he knows, he's answering some questions, and he gets a phone call from them saying, come on in, we want to meet with you. <laughs> So that's how he got to the matchmaker. He was wanted to buy a Porsche. And um, I said, you got something better than the Porsche, baby. Um, but anyway. Yeah, so much yeah. better. Much better. But you know what? He didn't know he was looking. This is what was interesting because he was in such a state of grief. When I mentioned he was flatlined on our first date, he, he didn't know what hit him when we got together for that first date. And he hadn't had a date in 45 years. He didn't even know that he, he didn't know what he didn't know. And he had been grieving of the loss. And then as we started to, we just had this conversation the other day that um, in the early weeks, he felt guilty um, he felt guilty and a, a bunch of other things because all of a sudden he could see new life. And so his, um, in fact, what he will say to me is he said, you really saved me and you've created a whole life that I never expected. And so the people who are listening, um, when I said Jerry's um, nine years older, Jerry turned 80 this year. So and yesterday we met up with somebody and Jerry as his age came up. So Jerry said, how old do you think I am? And this woman goes, oh gosh, she goes, 60? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we like her a lot. So um, but anyway, yeah, he's very young at heart, looks great, plays tennis, you know, three days a week for two hours at a time. You know, I mean, he's, he's in great physical health and mental and emotional health. So, but also I saw, we looked at a picture of him from right after I met him to today and he looks totally much younger, different, yeah. much younger today. But anyway, yeah, so um, 
yeah no it's it's there's a lot of things that we talked about in here too you know this is one of those episodes people can go back and listen to many many times and get so much out of it um but yeah let's let's talk a little bit about because again i was amazed you know before we hit record some of the things you guys have have in store right which again was one of the messages i wanted to help share with people is so much of the time when people get later in life they think their life is over right even like jerry you know right after his wife died i think he was you know okay i'm gonna buy a porsche you know because i want to do a couple of these things before i die probably was right. going through his head right and he never was aware that man you know marty's just waiting for you dude just wait right i mean your life's going to be different and so here you are right you know he's 80 you're 71 ish yeah can't believe anyway you don't look at you don't look at either right you don't <laughs> act it either but but what you guys are about to embark on as well right where where most people would think, oh, 80 and 71, you're old, you know, you can't do anything. But holy crap. I mean, like I said, so tell people kind of what you what yeah. you guys have have planned, because again, it's it's never too late. And why not? And right? why not? Exactly. So we moved to St. Croix officially um November 1st of 2020. And we bought this beautiful island home and and we overlook the Caribbean and there's a golf course out in the distance. I mean, it really is, it's really lovely. And um, we, it was furnished when we, most of the houses that you buy here, the, the more high-end houses are gonna have furniture in them because everything has to be shipped to the island. So we didn't bring, we brought very little stuff with this. Um, Jerry brought his kitchen knives, you know, it's like good chef mm -hmm. knives. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we brought a bed, bread maker and a ice cream maker. You know. Anyway, we didn't bring much, but when we got here, we realized that the previous owner had pretty much used the house as a rental property, and so and it looked like it. It had a lot of deferred maintenance. So within the first two months, we said, "You know what? We got a." We'd, we'd seen a couple of our neighbors' homes, and I said, "Jerry, we're living in a ghetto. I mean, <laughs> we we gotta we gotta screw this up." So anyway, we ended up spending the next eight months um, that nothing structurally had to be done. We did redo the kitchen um, and totally revamped the kitchen, but everything else, it was just paint and, you know, getting things up to speed. We replaced, we had to replace all the electrical because of the salt, air, you know, mm -hmm. things broke. So we had like 150 light switches, you know. And, electrical outlets all replaced stuff like that so the house has been done um for about a year now and uh, living on island life is uh, presents challenges there's a lot of great things about it uh, we love living in the bubble that we live in but St. Croix is a working island and um, it's not a resort island it's not like St. Thomas where, you know, it's more resorty and that kind of thing. St. Croix is much more of a working island. The biggest um, employer is the refinery, um, which has had a lot of issues. But anyway, it's a, um, it's a funky little island. Um, there's so much you can't get. I mean, we have two Kmarts and a dollar store. If you can't get it at Kmart or the dollar store, you probably don't need it. 
Um, <laughs> you're not going to need it because you can't get it. Right, you can't yeah, get it. You can't get, oh, yeah. can't get Amazon Prime delivery tomorrow either, right? Yeah. yeah, no, no, no next day delivery. They actually charge us, you know, to ship here. Some a lot of places won't ship here. So then we have to have stuff shipped to Florida and then ship from Florida to here if we really want something. Um, so just and just going to the grocery store. I mean, half the time there's. They don't have, I mean, I know the states have experienced this with the pandemic and the supply chain, but it's hard. Um, you bring your car in to be serviced and you might have to bring it in three, four, five times to get it done. Um, oh, we forgot to do that. Well, sorry, we don't have the part. You know, we're going to have to wait for the part, stuff like that. So, make a long story short, we wanted to start traveling. So we designated 2022 as our year of travel. And early this year, we um, did a road trip in California. And um, while we were there, we got married in a hot air balloon. And I don't know if you knew that or saw I, that. I don't think I saw that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we got married in a hot air balloon in Sonoma County. Because um, we thought about getting married and I thought, I'm not, we don't want to have you know, people coming down here, it's too hard to get here, it's expensive to get here. So I thought this would be a perfect way to do it. But the other thing was I had, I told him, I said, Jerry, I got to marry you before you turn 80 because I am not marrying an 80 year old man, period. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> so there you go. So then we planned a trip. Um, we, we started planning these trips actually last year. And so the, we just completed one um, that was um, in France. We did, a, we did five days in New York and then five days in Paris and then 11 days on a river cruise in Bordeaux. That was all about food and wine. And now Tuesday, we're going to Spain and Portugal uh, for a month. And, um, but as we're exploring, like, what do we want to do with our lives? and you know, obviously I said, I wanted to travel. Jerry um, had was in Europe when he was 20, but not since then because his businesses required him to stay close to home. And then with his wife being ill, sorry, I've got mosquitoes in front of me. Um, so with his wife being ill, they couldn't travel. So now we can't, the pandemic's over or kind of over. So we want to take advantage of it. And then realizing that as much as we like it here, we don't know that this is our retirement place, but we want to travel. So what we ended up doing was we just listed the house as a long-term rental. And also as a short-term rental possibility for the holiday season. And um, we got a full term we got a long-term rental starting in January for six months. And it's a marine biologist from North Carolina is coming down here on a grant to work on the coral reefs. He and his family are coming down here. They've been on the island before. They know the island. And they're going to be renting the house for six months. So we're going to take that six months and uh, travel around Europe. That's, we don't know where. Well, see, and, and and that's what I love too, right? Is it's it's, I mean, here you are again, where most people would look, and it's like, are you crazy? Yeah, but why not, right? Why not? Why not? Because again, yeah. you know, it's like we never know 
how long we have. Right. And so why not? Right. I mean, you're both, you're both healthy. You can do it. Um, why not? You know, when we were talking about where do you think you want to live, this goes back several months ago before we decided to rent the house. Um, at one point, you know, we're sitting in our little gazebo, we're looking, you know, can see the harbor. And I said, Jerry, would you ever consider like moving to Portugal? He goes, sure. Why not? If it's better than, if we like it better than where we are, and it has more to offer than where we are, why not? So that got things started. That's, and, that's the Spain and Portugal trip this time. Yeah, yeah, the Spain and Portugal trip. And then also the idea of, you know, we don't have to be committed here. And we found out that there, you know, some people who are really disappointed to hear that we want to be traveling around or renting a house. They go, after all the work you did. We said, you know, we're not attached to it. Yeah, we did a lot of work and it looks beautiful, but we're not attached to it. We don't have a lot of our own belongings here. And, um, you know, we'll be happy wherever we go. Well, I think that's, you know, that's probably a great, great way to kind of end too, because I think that, you know, for, because both of you have gotten to that point, right, where you've kind of sold everything, you know, neither one of you have kids, um, you know, it's it's the two of you, you can do whatever you want, but you've also been able to detach yes. from those things, right? And so because you don't have the attachment, it opens up a whole bunch of possibilities and choices that you can make. Right. Right. That a lot that a lot of people can't because we we tend to want to be so attached to certain things or you know, other stuff like that, where you guys haven't done that, that it opens up and gives you a lot more freedom. Yeah, there's a lot of freedom. I mean, there's a guy that Jerry plays tennis with here, and he's he said, I could never do that. I'm too attached to my stuff. And we're like, what kind of stuff? <laughs> you know, like, what kind of stuff? Because it would be like, what what stuff is more important than experiencing? And for us, it's the experience of you know, different cultures and communities and food and, you know, we're big foodies. So. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, Marty, thank there you. we are. <laughs> thank you for coming on. No, it's, it's, uh, um, thank you. I just, you know, and I, I wish you and Jerry the best. I mean, hopefully we'll still be, we'll still connect anyway yeah. as well because goodbye is never really goodbye. But I'm actually going to do the, uh, I'm going to create a new page on Facebook just for anybody who wants to follow the adventure. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah so as soon as I have the new page set up, I, I'll let you know if you want to get it out. If any of your people who are listening want to see it. Yeah. No, that'll be great. Because yeah, I always, I always enjoy kind of seeing, seeing what you're doing. And like I said, I mean, I mean, smiling and just being happy for the life that you've created and i appreciate you taking the time to kind of go through this because like i said I, th I think before i kind of see you as a big sister yeah you know and it's it's um i'm happy to be your big sister <laughs> well i like it and I, yeah. and I and i appreciate you know you talking through some of this stuff because again i mean i'm i'm not perfect i'm i've still got some holdups on some of these things as well too but it's nice to see your journey and the things that have kind of clicked for you, yeah. you know, and there's, it, just know that there's been no fear. 
There's no fear at all. At any point in any of it, whether it's moving from Kansas City to La Jolla or La Jolla to here or Jerry or any of it. Um, fear of not working, no. I mean, it was uncomfortable giving up like what I thought, you know, my career was uncomfortable, but I never had any fears around that. So I think it goes back to your question of, of um, you know, being able to trust it. If mm -hmm. you have a lot of fear around it, then, then you're not, not going to trust, right? Right. It's not the right thing. Yeah. So we've got to get, we got to get rid of that fear. And like you said, I, I think that's that's an important distinction, the difference between fear and maybe being uncomfortable. Right. right? That just is, because it, you're uncomfortable doesn't mean you have to be in fear. I wouldn't even say get rid of the fear. I would say accept the fear because the fear is telling you something. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you got to just figure out what is the fear telling you? Is it telling you that you're just holding on to nothing, that you're holding on too long? Or is there something that is fearful that isn't going to be the right thing for you anymore? And your inner guidance will tell you. Well, yeah, you just got to trust your gut, right? That's what <laughs> right. we were talking about before, right? That, uh, and, 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 you know, we don't always listen, but again, we learn, we grow, you know, as we live. And um, yeah, I appreciate your wisdom and uh, the life. I that love you've talking created. to you. <laughs> I do. I do. So, but I better go because we can stay on this forever. I know we'd be on here forever and you yeah. live too far away that we can't have so lunch. So we'll have to maybe, hook up on this again. We can, we can do this again after our six months. I would like that very much, actually. Okay. Yeah, I would like that very much to hear the, hear, hear the next round of uh, adventures from Marty. Good. From, stay tuned. From Dr. Marty Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. All right. I well, love you to pieces. Thank, thank you, you, my friend. I love you too. Yeah. Thanks.